Welcome to the Parlay Podcast, a thought-provoking and entertaining podcast that breaks down the pathology of speech, language, and other processes that affect the way we communicate on a daily basis. Professor of Speech and Language Pathology, Chantal Mayer-Crittenden, hosts a bevy of guests who help her explore and explain the diverse landscape of speech, language, and their relationship with the brain. Hi, this is Chantal Mayer Crittenden, the creator, director, producer, writer, and host of the Parley Podcast. I am very happy to be with you to celebrate this year's sixth annual International Developmental Language Disorder Awareness Day, which will take place on October 14th, 2022. So that's only a couple of days away. This year, I wanted to release a couple of episodes to raise awareness on DLD, so I thought of interviewing a parent to a child who has DLD. I did this already in French with a parent, and because she is bilingual and I am bilingual, we did the same interview or a very similar interview in English as well. And so that's what you will be hearing today. So join me as I interview a mother to a child with DLD, as well as several concomitant disorders, which is actually quite common. I invite you to check out the notes at theparleypodcast.com of this episode to find out all of the fantastic resources that are uh, mentioned during the episode. Also listed in the show notes are several websites where you can find more information about developmental language disorder and perhaps more information about the different events that are taking place in your community to celebrate the International Awareness Day on Developmental Language Disorder. So visit the website at theparleypodcast.com for more information. Let's jump right into the episode and welcome our special guest. So I am thrilled to have a parent. Actually, I think this is the first time that I have a parent on the Parley podcast. I've had people who have themselves communication disorders, but never a parent. So today I have Colette Leblanc. She is uh, a colleague. I also did my master's in speech and language pathology with Colette just a few years ago (laughs) at the University of Ottawa. So hi, Colette. Thank you for being here. Hi, Shantai. Thank you for having me. So uh, before we dive right into the episode, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, your family. Uh, like, tell us a bit more about yourself. Sure. My name is Colette LeBlanc. I am a speech language pathologist. I work uh, in the, I live in Moncton, New Brunswick, um, and I work as a speech pathologist in acute care. Um, I have three wonderful children, aged 16, 14, and 8. I am married, and uh, yes, we just live a happy family life. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to hear that. (laughs) So, like I said, you are a parent to a child who has a developmental language disorder, or DLD. And so, October 14th is DLD, International DLD Awareness Day. And I thought that it would be um, a really good idea to have a parent on the show to talk a little bit more about DLD, about its challenges, about all of the positive things that it brings as well. And so um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about your son who has DLD. 
Sure. Our uh, 14-year-old son, Liam, has DLD. Um, He had a few medical challenges when he was a baby and just wasn't quite developing as he should. And we always put in on the fact that he was ill and just, you know, um, so at a certain point, a doctor uh, referred us to a neurologist and we began the long path of figuring out why he wasn't talking, wasn't walking. Um, as a speech pathologist, I knew that I should be seeing more development and no matter what I did, he just wasn't meeting milestones. Um, he was a very quiet child. He wasn't babbling. He was easily content. Um, so over the course of several therapists and uh, interventions and doctors and um, we figured out the first thing we did figure out was that he had DLD and then with further testing we also figured out that he had dyspraxia Um, during his later school years we also added the labels of uh, dyslexia um, and most recently um, uh, attention deficit just to make it extra fun. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so maybe you can tell us a little bit more. Some of the listeners might not be familiar with dyspraxia. It's not mm-hmm. a term that we often hear. So what is dyspraxia? Dyspraxia is uh, a problem basically of the connection between the brain and the muscles. The, 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 the person or the child can actually physically do the movement. It's more the connection on command. And it's linking all the little, uh, all the little movements together um to be able to complete an action so for example he only learned to walk at the age of two he only learned to jump at the age of four um with Liam he has motor dyspraxia so it affects his movements but he also has verbal or oral dyspraxia so on top of having a hard time finding his words and and putting his words together and forming his thoughts um he also has an issue with um his mouth movements the muscles moving to pronounce all the sounds that he needs to say what he wants to say. Actually, one analogy that I'll often use when I'm teaching about dyspraxia is the computer and printer analogy. So, you know, in terms of the muscle movements, the computer is working fine. Everything is, the signals are working. Printer is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with the printer, but that connection, the wire mm-hmm. that goes from the print, the computer to the printer is what's uh, um the difficulty so mm-hmm. it always helped me understand it as a student as well I like that analogy okay so you mentioned developmental language disorder dyspraxia dyslexia and more recently a diagnosis of attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. and so as you and I both know children who have DLD often have a lot of other mm-hmm. um, disorders or labels and so it isn't uncommon um, so, you know, if you're a teacher and you have a child with only one diagnosis in your classroom um, there, and, and you suspect there's something else, well, there could be, you know, another, di- another diagnosis, another disorder. So oftentimes there is more than one, which makes it a lot more difficult for these children to succeed in school. And one statistic that, um, you know, I'll never forget is that only 11% of children with developmental de- language disorder and we know that a lot of them have other difficulties, mm-hmm. will meet the curriculum standards. And so, you know, it's just tough for them. And, and it is. without help, we'll meet the curriculum standards without extra help. So they do need those adaptations and, and extra help. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, what what kind of services has he received then with all of these diagnoses? 
in his preschool years, he would see uh, the speech-language pathologist. Uh, he saw an occupational therapist regularly. He saw the physiotherapist. Um, he, we continued those on into his early school years. Um, around grade two, we started to notice he's always been really strong in math. And his teacher saw that his math, um, his, his marks weren't quite as good, but he was missing all the math teaching. So that's the point where we had to weigh interventions versus taking him out of the classroom. Um, he's had a resource teacher throughout his school years. He had a assistant in the classroom assigned to him part-time just to help him with his accommodations, his organization and all of that. Um, we also did, uh, frequent, um, private tutoring, um, just so it takes a village to, <laughs> to <Right>. help. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of organization and appointments and driving and yes. getting him to and from and a lot mm -hmm. to keep track of. So, wow. Kudos to you. <laughs> well, you, you do what you got to do. It just is what it is. And I mean, it was just a matter too of organizing it. So it worked for his school. Mm -hmm. um, he's lucky he would walk to school. So what I, we would ask the school is if certain interventions could be done right after school, right after the bell rang. So he just stayed, had a snack or whatever. And then he would just stay, work with them a little bit and walk home. Um, and our private tutoring also, because he didn't, he didn't, if he missed class, he wasn't good at filling in the blanks on what he missed. And it always made him nervous. He's never been comfortable with missing too much class. Um, so we did tutoring before school. So we did tutoring the last two years, uh, twice a week, seven to eight in the morning. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we tried uh, with my daughter who has DLD and also dyscalculia. So dyscalculia mm -hmm. is kind of like dyslexia, but with math. Um, so we tried Kumon, we tried tutoring. And after a while, she just said, enough. But that's know, good, though, you know, because he asked for a vacation. He asked a, for a, a vacation from tutoring um, at the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of weeks, he says, I, I think I'm done. Mm -hmm. um, so for now, tutoring is indefinitely on hold. But even our tutor, who is wonderful, she's so she was like, you know what? We need to get him to get to the point where um, he advocates for himself and at one point, I mean, school is starting to be more, he just started high school. So, you know, school in itself is enough. And I think sometimes it's just the pressure he puts on himself and just to do his schoolwork is enough. And I was finding if with him, it's a delicate balance between pressure and he puts it on himself. He's very hard on himself sometimes and just his mental health is just, you know, it's just, it was, it's just too much now. It's just too much. And that's okay. He's like, you know what? I, if I feel I need it again, I will let you guys know. <laughs> Absolutely. Self-awareness mm -hmm. and knowing when, um, you're, you're maxed out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know the first week of school, um, she's, my daughter's in grade 10. Like she slept uh, two or three days when she got home from school it was just so cognitively demanding and getting her brain used to that level of information overload yeah, yeah. And, and still sometimes I, I find her she just comes home and goes straight to her room turns yeah. the lights off and it's just like wow okay I need to rest my brain but that's that's okay he had a headache the first full every day get home I have a headache I was like it's a lot of noise it's a lot of stimulation it's a lot of learning it was a new school he didn't have to take the bus now he takes the bus it, it was a lot absolutely and sometimes we we underestimate how yeah. how taxing all of that is for sure so 
at the beginning of this season, so this is already season four of the podcast, um, I had decided to uh, you know, prepare a mini series on bilingualism. And so uh, I knew that you're a bilingual family, you live in um, a bilingual part of the country. So how do you find DLD, if any, has impacted um, Liam's language? Yeah, we live in Moncton, New Brunswick. New Brunswick is an officially bilingual province and Moncton is a very bilingual city. Um, he is exposed to English. We speak French at home. Um, he goes to French school, uh, but he's exposed to a lot of English. We listen to a lot of English TV and English radio and all of that. We have English uh, families around us that just speak English. Um, but for sure, his efficiency, his, his, his functional bilingualism, his bilingualism hasn't been as functional as quickly as his brother and his sister. Um, he works harder to understand. And even with a dyspraxia, like putting the sounds together and, and making the motor movements is a lot harder. He's a little harder to understand. Um, but his road is, I mean, he's still what I would consider functional enough. Uh, he certainly can understand uh, what is said. Um, and I find for him expressing himself, the biggest thing is the motor speech. It's the, it's the enunciation. It's the, it's the motor movements of it and not really the, the words. Um, so it's just taking a little bit longer to be more functional. Um, so the road is a little, it's longer and it's bumpier and it's got a lot of curves and, and little, you know, speed bumps here and there, but he's getting there. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of the research and okay, so let me get this straight. So you're saying a lot of his difficulties in English are probably mostly related to the dyspraxia or? Well, that's what makes him harder to understand. Okay. Um, I mean, his vocabulary isn't as good, like he's 14. So, I mean, <laughs> when his brother was 14, he was fluently bilingual, no question. Um, so for sure, it's a little more difficult. But what makes it harder right now is the dyspraxia mm -hmm. and the, the pronunciation, yeah. Because I noticed that too with, with my daughter, especially with the pandemic, she wasn't um, exposed to French as much as when she was going to school from, you know, 8 until 2.30 in the afternoon in French. And so with the two years or so back and forth from home to school, um, I found that she her her language dominance shifted from being French dominant to English dominant, and, and that's uh, that's fine. It is what it is. Um, but a lot of the research shows that you know there isn't a double disadvantage. So if you have DLD and in your bilingual, you don't have a double disadvantage. But what I'm hearing from you and what I've experienced is that it's just a little bit more difficult and they need a little bit of extra time, a little bit of extra support and more repetition and more practice. So they'll get there, but it's just like you said, it's a bumpier, windier road. They just need the extra help. And, and, you know, research has shown that children with DLD can absolutely learn more than one language. Um, but I think that, you know, if I was to add to that, I would say they'll just need extra time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast the other day too, and they were talking about shooting ki kids with labels and how he should be doing this. And you really shouldn't should them <laughs> because, you know, they shouldn't do anything. He's going to take the time and place to get there, you know, like don't should. And, and they were saying it got me back to demands I have that I had for his brother and I probably will have for his sister um, or, or, you know, things that I think they should be able to do, but he just, he's just on his own little path there. He's just, just going to take a little longer. 
Mm-hmm. No, I like that. Uh, earlier in the season, I recorded a podcast and one of the citations that kind of stuck out at me was for, for children who are learning a second language, it's not to lower your expectations, but rather to like stretch them out. It'll just take a little bit longer. And I think the same applies for children with DLD. They can accomplish a lot of the same things that children with um, typical language or neuro- neurotypicals can do, but it takes more time, more practice, more repetition, more effort. Um, so, and more patience and kindness yeah. to themselves. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And same along the lines as the should, um, we often will say to children, either as parents or teachers, try harder, just try harder. And oh my goodness, they are trying. They are trying harder than probably everybody in the class yeah. as it is. I wholeheartedly support that going like, you know, and I, I saw one of his teachers from his old school just the other day and he was like, he works so hard. I'm like, he has got the best attitude. And, to, and I mean, he's, he really tries so hard and he's actually learning to advocate for himself as well, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know, like you said, he's just now in grade nine. My daughter's in grade 10. Um, In her school, the resource teacher um, and some of her teachers are actually encouraging her to advocate her own needs. And so, okay, you need to tell us when you need to go to the resource center, when you need more time, when you need us to write your answers for you on the test like that has to come from you we can't always be saying oh do you need more help do you need this so you know I'm trying to get her to do that as well you have to ask yeah totally I always tell him my job is to make sure that the school knows what you need Mm -hmm. and how do we get it and make sure it's there and if there are challenges what do we do your job is to ask for your accommodations and that for him will be a lifelong skill. Yeah. You know, he'll always need that. Even in his job, when he goes to post-secondary education, he will need to know this is something that I need support with and he'll need to know that. But so I keep telling him like, you need to go and his resource teacher. Now he's on high school. And I said, okay, if we have challenges, you know, like I'll send you an email. And she said, no, actually if Liam has challenges, I'd like him to come. And I was like, Ooh, you, yes, yes. And this morning he said, yeah, I went to see one of my teachers and I told her like the class was too loud and I couldn't concentrate. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, good. But he said, you know what? I I couldn't, I couldn't focus because there was just too much going on in the classroom. And he went to the teacher and he told her after class and she said, I will make sure that it's not like that tomorrow. So I thought, okay, yeah, good for him. That's great. And that's, Mm -hmm. You know, as a parent, you want your child to become independent. Yes. And so if you can independently advocate for your needs and get Mm -hmm. the services that you need, Mm -hmm. I've done my job. (laughs) But as parents, we tend to fill the gaps with our label kids, right? I know for him, I fill the gaps way more than the other ones. And when he started to have some like true anxiety, which he's now, which has settled, I thought I'm doing so much for him, but the world is a scary place when your mommy does all sorts of things for you. But to me, advocating for yourself is parallel to filling the gaps in, right? These kids, if anything, need that more with support, a little bit more support, a little bit more handholding, a little bit more guidance than your neurotypical kid. Um, But they need to advocate for themselves more than the others. Yeah. And you mentioned anxiety. So a lot of children with DLD, and I I might get the statistics wrong, um, I believe they are six times more susceptible to clinical levels of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so we noticed that as well with yeah. our daughter yeah. last year. And so, you know, seeked the help of a private social worker and they clicked. So luckily they have a good connection, the two of them. And I'm not in the session and it's all confidential. 
And I thought, wow, that's a, a you know a pretty good first step in her talking about her own difficulties and strengths and issues without mom there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what goes on in those sessions. She's got little things that she has to write in her journal sometimes, but she loves it. And um, you know, I, I, I strongly recommend it to other parents. Mm-hmm. Oh. But I think it's important that they have a good rapport with that. Person, yeah. be it a social worker or another type of counselor but uh, yes no we've had to see when his anxiety started we went to a psychologist and uh, we did some counseling and we did a lot of strategy a lot of work at home on managing that and now I mean he's he's an overthinker he always will be that's who he is he was like that before you know um but now he sees a social worker through a school as well but he's had, he's had I think we're on four different people <laughs> um and he's had to click with every one of them and at one point though I had to take a step back and go like they all brought him something different yeah. and I think that everybody brought him something good and as much as he would love to have kept the same person every person brought him a different perspective and every person brought him a different point of view but I can tell when he sees them like when he comes home he's different it really does help him to the same for me Mm -hmm. I we we had a session before school started where I drove him I picked I dropped him off and I picked him up but the rest of the time he's at school but he needs that he's old enough that he needs to just talk to somebody without mommy around and just you know say your thing absolutely (laughs) well like you and I are speech and language pathologists we're we're a little bit more familiar with you know diagnoses and and what it entails and and what we need to do as parents do you have any advice for parents who might not be as knowledgeable and who have just found out or recently found out that their child has a developmental language disorder um that at the beginning I guess is just surround yourself with the right people and get the support you need um your team who helped you to probably figure out what is going on sit down and ask them your questions and ask for the information the one thing I think I found and maybe it's because I'm a speech pathologist so I, I had to take the speech path out of the mommy role and really just be the mother um, and realize that I can't be his speech pathologist um, is for me what I found the most helpful was to surround myself with people who understood and had similar uh, challenges and all that because nobody understands for me it was more the emotional bit I guess um, and as you live it and you do your therapies and you do all of that you learn on the day-to-day stuff that's helpful and not so helpful um, and if you have your little support group around you you also get I tried this and this help oh you're right and there's so many podcasts around like I mean, I'm a speech pathologist. I'm well informed. I always say I'm a well informed mother because I don't do pediatrics either. I'm that's mm-hmm. totally out of my element. Um, but we just our last label to get was ADD, and I started to listen to a couple of podcasts, and I fell upon a couple of them that I absolutely adore, and I binge listen to them. Mm-hmm. And even like, there's so many things that I thought were related to his language disorder, but really. I think it's this attention deficit. Um, but just to, to, you know, to me right now to his podcast and everything, you can't, the information is out there. You just have to find the right people to talk to. Um, and when your child gets to school, just remember that you are his advocate. You are his champion. Um, you know him best and just, you, you have to speak up to make sure that their needs are met. Um, and just reach out to the school and be proactive about when things aren't going so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 
reminds me of something I recently heard on a podcast and they were saying, you know, if you, if you compare your child and their needs to your home. So if you have a home, sometimes you'll have someone to take a look at your furnace and you'll have someone to clean out your eavesdrops and you might have a weed person come and take care of your lawn and you might have someone come and sweep your chimney and you might have someone come and whatever, 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 right? We have a lot of people that help us take care of our house. So like you said, you need a team. Mm-hmm. Have a good team for your child. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. You need a person, maybe a speech and language pathologist, and maybe a psychologist, and maybe a social yep. worker, and the resource teacher, and the teacher's assistant, and the teacher. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. people are all part of this team to make make life easier <laughs> for for the person who has a developmental language disorder and X Y Z other disorders out along with it and you'll learn who your champions as well right and i mean i always say liam has a village he has his own little village <laughs> at his old school the vice principal was his safe body if he was stressed for something and all that he'd pop into his office and he'd say hi and that was an immense support uh he's at a new school i know he's gone to the vice principal one day and his resource teacher is quite helpful as well so you know he he, he needs his his people yep and Again, as as parents, I think it's important that we we talk about that and tell them you know, you're going to have people that are going to help you along the way. And even as adults, if we don't have, if we're neurotypical adults, we've got our people. We've got mm-hmm. our doctor. We've got our our social worker. We have our chiropractor. We have our massage therapist. We have our manicurist. Whatever. Like we've got a team as well. And so um, we need to take care of ourselves, regardless mm-hmm. of, of you know whether or not we have a recognized diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So on that note, so as your as your as your advice, you know, is to um, find a team, be their advocate. What would be some of your aspirations for Liam's future? I honestly hope that he is happy and that he accepts himself for who he is, labels and all, because it just makes him even that more special. Um, and that he just aims for the stars and just there's there's no limit. So I just hope he's he's able to find his strengths and what makes his heart his heart sing and to just apply that fully and to find his place in this world and um yeah, because there really is no limits. You just, you know, there are things that are harder. He will, will not likely choose to be a journalist or a reporter because that will be just too hard for him. Um, but he has some great strengths. So just to put those to good use. Fantastic. I love that. And more and more, thanks to the work of a lot of researchers internationally who are really trying to raise awareness about DLD. There is a lot of information out there. There's websites. And so, you know, hopefully it's going to be a disorder that is just as well known as autism, as dyslexia. Mm-hmm. You know, I know right mm-hmm. now, if you tell someone my child has DLD or I have DLD, oh, a lot of people are like, what the heck is that? Yeah. Um, but I think that's changing. And so um, I'll put in the show notes of the parleypodcast.com links to some of those websites. I know there is radld.org. There is DLD and me, um, but there's a few others and I'll, I'll be sure to put those. So if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you want more information, want more resources, there's also a couple of Facebook parent Facebook groups that I'm a part of. So I'll put some of those links on the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much, Colette. This has been, um, I think, really important um, 
you know, a lot of parents feel like they're alone and there's 7% of kids out there who have DLD and adults. It doesn't go away in adulthood. And so you're not alone. And thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing Liam's story. Thank you, Liam, for (laughs) um, letting you talk about him and um, really all of the potential that he has to succeed. So thank you very much. Thank you for having Don't forget to celebrate this year's DLD Awareness Day. This Friday, October 14th, you can wear purple and yellow. Those are the colors that are known to represent DLD. Also, you can check out my YouTube channel just by typing my name, Chantal Mayer Crittenden. There's a lot of videos there on DLD. Most of them are in French, but uh, the other websites that I've listed on the show notes provide a lot of videos in English as well. You can use the hashtag Hashtag DLD Day if you're posting anything about DLD. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed listening to it. You can also find this podcast on most of the podcast platforms. um, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, etc. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel to be alerted when new content is created. I post a lot of videos, educational videos mostly, about DLD, about the acquisition of a minority language, about the importance of teaching uh, level two vocabulary, etc., etc. If you know anyone who might be interested in listening to this episode in French, please let them know that it is available in French. Same mother, very similar discussion with a few nuances, of course. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful DLD Awareness Day.